So once again, in the book of Acts, as we are seeing what the Spirit of God is doing in the early church, as we see him uh, moving in powerful ways, uh, the church, as the scripture records, being multiplied daily, as we see people just by, by great numbers that are coming into the kingdom of God. We see the fulfillment of the promise of our Father, the promise of the Holy Spirit to be given to us, that the Holy Spirit is now living in his people. And Jesus, as he promised, he said, the works that I do, greater will you do. That isn't necessarily that he's saying that they're going to be greater in the sense of raising people from the dead. He's talking about the magnitude of what is happening. And he's also talking about what would be happening in the early church with the hearts, mass conversions, people by the droves, lives being transformed and changed and coming into the kingdom, that the spirit would just be absolutely moving all through the earth. So, last time that we shared together, I shared that this is a pivotal moment in the church. As a matter of fact, this is a moment of great... I don't know exactly how to say this and how to, I guess you'd say, punctuate what we're going to be talking about tonight. But let's say this. In the minds and the hearts of Jewish people, and it's not that they were being exclusional. It's that God had set this pe- these people, this people, the Jewish people apart. And he had said through them, through Abraham's seed, the entire earth was going to be blessed. The scope was the world. But what you had seen is, and I'm not saying that they were perfect by any stretch of the imagination. You could see all through the Old Testament, even to the New Testament, they're human beings and, and fallen and broken human beings at that. But... You can see how the rest of the world, as we can even see it today, lives in rebellion against God. And because of that, there was this mindset within them that we are God's chosen people, we are the Jewish people, and God's going to move among his people, God's going to save his people, but there's a change getting ready to take place. People are going to understand that from the beginning, this was never the heart of God. God's heart has always been all nations, all kindreds, all tongues. Everyone would be offered an opportunity to be a part of his kingdom. We were all created in God's image. And even if God has chosen, as today, the chosen people of God, and we can even study this in Acts, we can read this in Romans, we can read this in about four or five other epistles that are out there. The chosen people of God today are the church. Now, everybody wants to draw this strong line of demarcation between, uh, I guess you would say, the Jews and the church. But the fact is, Jesus Christ was a Jew. The people of the early church were Jewish. Peter that we're speaking about, Paul that we're speaking about, all of these people are Jewish. What happened is they came to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And in so doing, they become a new creation, which are the people of God, the Christians. Okay? So there's neither, as Paul would say, Jew or Gentile here, but a new creation that avails. We are a new people, saved, filled with the Spirit of God. We are his body. We are his church. 
So we don't go back and say, well, we're going to draw this line between the two because then you create another schism or schism depending upon how educated you are. I, I, don't, I can't speak English anymore because what I used to think was English is now, you know, we don't have schedules anymore. We have schedules and all that kind of other stuff, and it's not aluminum. It's aluminum. I don't know how you get that either, but people are just weird. So just, <laughs> So I'm doing my best here. So we were studying about Cornelius. Cornelius is a Gentile. Cornelius is a good man. He was probably a Jewish proselyte, a convert who loved God, who sought God's face. He prayed. He tried to be everything that God desired for his people to be. And in so doing, Christ has now come into the world. Christ has given his life. Salvation and and the arms of God is open to the entire earth for whosoever will. And so what ends up happening is Cornelius is seeking the face of God and an angel appears to him and says, Cornelius. And of course, Cornelius says, what do I need to do? Who are you? What's happening here? He says, you know something, Cornelius? God hasn't forgotten you. And I've got news for you for everybody in this house. God has not forgotten you either. And he says that your alms and the things that you have done, your prayers, your desire to love and to serve God, they have come up again as a memorial before God, and God's got something for you. Cornelius, you need to send for a man named Simon Peter, and you need to bring him up here, and he will tell you what you need to do, which I find interesting. So an angel comes, an angel appears to Cornelius, and rather than saying, You know, Cornelius, you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Remember, the ministry of the Word of God has been entrusted to us. That's not to say that angels cannot share the truth. They often do uh, with people. I'm talking about the truth of the gospel. But that ministry, the ministry of reconciliation, that ministry of sharing Jesus Christ has been entrusted to you and me as his ambassadors, the Bible says. So he says, you go find this fellow named Simon, Simon Peter, And you get him over here and he'll tell you what you need to do. Okay, what is interesting, once again, is that Cornelius is a Gentile. It is a no-no. That's very strong terms, isn't it? A no-no? Anyway, a no-no for a Jew to come into the dwelling of a Gentile. We talked about this in brief last time. But think about this. For them to come into the house of a Gentile, they would be defiled. They would not be able to participate. In in the temple services, they would not be able to participate in festivals. They would be unclean. They wouldn't even go into the synagogue, okay, for a time of purification. But you just didn't do that, okay? So for them to send for Peter, Peter was going to be asked to do something that was against his, his grain. It would be against him. It's not that he didn't love them. It's not that he wouldn't be kind and gracious to them. But understand in Peter's heart, Remember, we came out of Judaism. It's not that Judaism was wrong. Judaism was the original covenant of God. That covenant has become a new covenant in Christ Jesus. You remember whenever Jesus was sitting there at the Seder meal or the Passover meal. This is important for us to realize, especially when we partake of the Lord's Supper. And it's time to do that, by the way. But anyway, whenever they were sitting there and they were celebrating the festival that is perpetual, okay, This is one of those things from the very beginning to this very day is continually celebrated. The Passover, the saving uh, or sparing of God's people and ultimately leading them out of Egypt, okay? 
for all generations, whenever they celebrate this festival, it celebrates God's deliverance, and it also is the time that parents were to teach their children about the Lord God and his faithfulness. So Jesus is there, sitting there for this meal, and as they are recalling the story of the Exodus and God's deliverance, Jesus picks up a cup and he looks at him and he says, Now, here is a new covenant in my blood. Wow. They've eaten the bread before, but now Jesus, when he picks up that bread, he says, I'm going to tell you a new meaning. I'm going to show you the ultimate fulfillment of the Passover. Whereas you sacrificed the lamb back then, this lamb is going to be sacrificed. Jesus says, I will be that Passover lamb. My blood will spare you from being, being killed, you know, like the firstborn. So you think about this. Jesus sits there, he grabs that bread, and when he breaks it, he says, this is my body that is broken for you. He picks up the cup, and he says, did you like how I did that? It was kind of like, it was kind of cool. When I, did I do some things sometimes, and I look at myself from the outside, and I said, you're really weird. I mean, I do that. But anyway, so let's go back to the cup. He picks up the cup, and he says, this is the new covenant in my blood. Because my blood will be shed for the remission of sins. And he says, all of this that you're doing from here on out, this isn't just a celebration of the Exodus. This do in remembrance of me. Okay? So, we've got Jesus, this new covenant that has come along. Now, this new covenant includes all peoples, all natures, all kindreds, all tongues, they are all included in the house of God. Okay, so Cornelius, being a Gentile, has now sent for Peter. Peter is going to be asked to come unto the, under the roof of a Gentile. So Peter's up there, and God is already preparing him. So he's up there, he's praying, and as we talked about, there was this big sheet that is connected at four corners, so it's kind of like a bag there, Okay. And it comes down, and whenever it opens up before Peter, it's got all unclean animals upon it. And God says to him, he says, Peter, I want you to rise up, and I want you to eat these animals. And immediately, Peter does what a Jew would do. He looks at him, he says, no, Lord, I can't do that. You've commanded me not to eat these unclean animals. And then the Lord says to him, he says, but Peter, you need to understand what I cleanse you can no longer call common. If I cleanse it, if I call it, if it's mine, you can't call it common anymore or unclean. So this happens like three times. The Lord will speak to him and say, Peter, rise, kill, and eat. And Peter, being a, a person who has walked with Christ, begins to realize, wait a minute, there's more to this. God's trying to tell me something. What's going on? Well, he wouldn't be telling me to do this, and he wouldn't be talking about cleansing uh, certain things, and he wouldn't be telling me to partake if there wasn't something that God was getting ready to do. So which brings us to Acts chapter 10, and starting in verse 17. So Peter is wondering what's going on. Now, in the meantime, while this is happening, Cornelius has already sent some individuals from his house to go and to get Peter. Because he's at Simon the Tanner's house, who was advised all about this. He says, go and get him, bring him here. So they're on the way. So God bless the reading of his word. Verse 17, now while Peter was wondering within himself what the vision which he had seen meant. So he's trying to understand, God, what are you trying to tell me? Um, 
let's see, where was it? See, okay, what it meant, behold, the men who had been sent from Cornelius had made inquiry for Simon's house and stood before the gate. So they have arrived. And they called and they asked whether Simon, whose surname was Peter, was lodging there. While Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit, notice the capital there. God speaks to Peter. So no longer is he just seeing this vision, God speaks to him because God's getting ready to reveal everything that he's been trying to help him to understand. So while Peter thought about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Behold, three men are seeking you. Arise, therefore, go down and go with him, doubting nothing. In other words, don't ask questions, don't worry about it. I'm sending you, Peter, go, for I have sent them. I love this. Did you catch that? What did God say? I have sent them. You know, Cornelius could easily say, well, I sent the delegation. No, 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 no. We don't understand behind the scenes. God had orchestrated this. This is the time for the Gentiles to be revealed. So he tells him, he says, I've sent these people. You go with them. Verse 21, it says, Then Peter went down to the men who had been sent to him from Cornelius and said, Yes, I am he whom you seek. For what reason have you come? General conversation. And they said, Cornelius, the centurion, a just man, one who fears God and has a good reputation among all the nation of the Jews, was divinely instructed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear the words from you. Then he, Peter, invited them in and lodged with them. On the next day, Peter went away with them, uh, and some brethren from Joppa accompanied him. So there's going to be some Jews that are going to go with him. So they're going to journey to see this centurion, this Gentile. So verse 24, And the following day they entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. Okay, Cornelius, this man who loves and is seeking God. God has appeared to him and he says, Look, you need to send for this man, Peter. He may have known little to nothing or anything about him. And so he sent this delegation because the angel says, he's going to tell you what you need to know. So what has Cornelius done? He's called his family together. That's what we should be doing. When God's going to show up, we all need to get together, okay, and receive what God's going to do. So not only is he going to be a recipient, he wants his whole house to hear what God has to share with him. All right. So verse 25, and it says, as Peter was coming in, Cornelius met him. Now, please, we've talked about this many times. It's important to grasp this. When Cornelius met him, he fell down at his feet and worshiped him. Okay, now look at the next verse. But Peter lifted up saying, stand up. I myself am also a man. How many times have we talked about this? This is beautiful and it's powerful. The only thing that Cornelius knows, he's trying to be humble before God. He's trying to love God and serve him. And he just knows that this angel tells him to come in, and he's going to tell him what he needs to do to love, to serve, to be what God needs for him to be. So when this man comes in, he falls down before him, and he starts worshiping. And in essence, these words mean that he, he is proclaiming him to be greater than what he is. He is using language that is reserved for God. Ultimate worth, Okay. So as he is bowing down before him, Peter's like, whoa, stop, get up. It's the same thing that angels do, even a higher order uh, of being. 
People bow down before him. They say, stop, don't do it, get off your knees. Okay? We are messengers of God. And like Peter would say, he says, I'm just a man. Now, sometimes we want to put people on a pedestal, and, 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 and I appreciate that we try to honor those that go before us, and we should be honoring of people, but we must remember we are men, and it is God who is good, and it is God who is birthed within us, for without Christ, people, we would devour and destroy one another. There is none good save one, that is God. And if there be any good in us, it is because of him. All right. So he tells them, he says, get off your knees, get off the ground. I'm a man. All right. So verse 27, and as he talked with him, he went in and found many who had come together. So there's a lot of folks want to be there to hear Peter. In verse 28, then he said to them, you know, now listen to what Peter says, this people, whenever we're talking about Gentiles, when we get to chapter 15, we're going to be dealing with this whole thing again. We're going to be dealing with the Jerusalem council, and we're going to be talking about Gentiles. We're going to be talking about Pharisees that were going around, and please understand, these were believers. They were believers, but their faith was not, I would say, complete or it was skewed. And what I mean by that is they were telling people, yes, you must believe in Christ. He is the fulfillment of the law. However, that doesn't mean the law is gone. And they were saying, you have to obey the law of Moses too. Paul looked at them and said, no. He said, let me tell you something. The law was there to bring us to Christ. But once we come to Christ, we are a new creation. We are forgiven. The law is now fulfilled. And now we don't walk in the oldness of the letter of the law. We walk in the newness of the Holy Spirit. His commandments lit written on our hearts. So now we walk in obedience to what Christ reveals in us. It is not the obeying of the law that saves us. It is faith in Jesus Christ. And he said, no. And they said, well, we don't care what you say, Paul. And Paul said, we're heading back to Jerusalem. We're going to settle this right here and now. Faith and salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ alone. So they settle this in chapter 15, or at least they try to, to end it. There's still a little bit of uh, issue that they have to deal as they continue on, but by and large, it is dealt with. Okay. So let's see what's happening here. So Peter coming to this Gentile, he's explaining the seriousness of this, at least from his Jewish background. So let's see, verse 28, it says, Then he said to them, You know how unlawful it is for a Jewish man to keep company with or go into one of another nation. So, so just pause there. He's saying, for me to do this, I mean, I'm unclean at this moment. I'm coming into your house. But he says this. Now, remember the vision that he had, because now he's seeing the answer to it. So he says, it's unlawful us to go in or keep company with another nation, but God has shown me. Here's the vision. God has shown me that I should not call anyone common or unclean. Human beings are his creation. Human beings are his children, created in his image. And he's saying, yes, we might be disobedient. Yes, we might fail. Yes, there, there was this system that was established to cause us to walk in the ways that were pleasing to God. But now in Christ Jesus, it is not for me to look at you and say that you are unworthy of God's love. The windows of heaven are open to whosoever will. Okay? That includes Gentiles. So look at verse 29. It says, therefore... You know, at the command of God, he said, I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. I asked then 
for what reason have you sent for me? So he's saying, okay, I'm here. I'm here for whatever God wants. Tell me what's happened. Okay. So that's what's going to happen. Verse 30. So Cornelius said, four days ago I was fasting until this hour. Now, I probably shouldn't make a comment here, but I will. Do you notice what he said? He said, I've been fasting. I've been praying. This is a Gentile who loves God. And as such, he is trying with every ounce of his being to love God, even with prayers and fasting. Okay? This isn't just somebody that says, you know, I, I love God and I'll, I'll try to do what I can. This is somebody that is devout in his faith, seeking God. So, but anyway... Four days ago, I was fasting until this hour, and at the ninth hour, I prayed in my house, and behold, a man stood before me in bright clothing. This is why you need to read all Scripture, because before it just talks about the angel. But now he's given us full detail. This angel appeared. He's in bright clothing. And he said, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard, and your alms are remembered in the sight of God. Send therefore to Joppa. And call Simon here, whose surname is Peter. He is lodging in the house of Simon a tanner by the sea. When he comes, he will speak to you. Verse 33. So I sent to you immediately, and you have done well to come. Now, therefore, we're all here present before God to hear all the things commanded to you by God. That is the ideal church service. Whether I'm the pastor, whether I'm in the group, it doesn't matter. Everybody is gathered together. They look at him and say, go ahead, preacher, here we are. Let us have it. Whatever God's told you, let's have it. We're here to hear, listen, and receive. Okay. So let's see. Things commanded you by God. Now look at verse 34. It says, then Peter opened his mouth and said, in truth, I perceive that God shows no partiality. He's coming to this understanding. Whatever he says partiality isn't just talking about money. He's not talking about, you know, socioeconomic. But what he's saying is whatever people, whatever culture. It isn't that God has just set the Jewish people up on a pedestal. Even today, think about it. We as God's people, it isn't that he has set us apart and said that we're the only people that he loves. We are indeed set apart. But we're not the only people that he loves. As a matter of fact, we're the ones that are sent into the world to see that other people get to hear the gospel. What we have been freely given, what has been placed within us, God now expects us to go and give it to everybody else. Freely have we received, freely we give, so that others might hear, know, and receive the same life that we have been given. Okay? So he's saying God does not show partiality. But listen, this, in every nation, that's what he means. Whatever nation it is, Gentiles all over the world, in every nation, whoever fears him and works righteousness, that is, who loves and believes in him and follows him, he says, will be accepted by him. Verse 36, the word, now Peter is beginning to preach. Now you might ask, what was it that the early church that Paul, and we see Paul and we hear some of his sermons as well, but I want you to hear the message of Jesus Christ coming to Gentiles. 
Now, I understand every word is not recorded. There is no way. I, I don't know if you've ever done this before, but I can remember when I was younger, I used to write out every single word that I would preach. As a matter of fact, you're encouraged to do that. As God gives it to you, write out every single word. It was a transcript. You can have an outline to the side, but what they would do is have that there because sometimes in your excitement, sometimes like even to this day when I chase a rabbit, okay, and they're beautiful, fluffy little rabbits. I mean, they're gorgeous. You have no idea. I mean, you're in the middle of this message, but I mean, how can you not love a bunny? I mean, really. So anyway, so we chase those rabbits, and the next thing you know, you're lost. So you go back and do it. But let me tell you this. There are pages and pages of an entire manuscript of what you're going to say. So whenever you're looking at the Word of God, should they uh, or have they recorded every single word? The Bible even says, talking about Jesus, if everything he did was recorded, I suppose all the volumes in the world wouldn't be able to contain it. But remember, what is written is the heart of what is said so that we might know. And even as John said, what is written is that we might know that Jesus is Christ and believing in him, we might have life through his name. But catch this, okay? So listen to the message of the apostle witnessing and sharing the gospel with Gentiles. So let's catch this. He said, the, let's see, but every nation fears him, is accepted by him. Verse 36, then the word, or the word which God sent to the children of Israel, he's starting with God's people, people of Israel, preaching peace through whom? Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You with me? He is Lord of all. Verse 37, that word you know, You've heard this. It's been preached. It's been noised abroad. But he said, that word which you know, which was proclaimed throughout all Judea and began from Galilee after the baptism which John preached. The baptism of John was to believe in the one that was to come. Repent of your sins and believe in Jesus. Okay, that's what we were supposed to do. So it says, which John preached, verse 38, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth there's a deliberate explaining in there. There were people, other people named Jesus. There's other Jesuses recorded in the New Testament, okay? People that were called that. But he's saying this Jesus, Jesus of Nazareth, okay? How he was anointed uh, with the Holy Spirit and with power who went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. He's letting them know everything that is happening. This is God's son. This is the Holy Spirit. He was anointed to do this work. Now, verse 39, he says, And we are witnesses of all these things which he had done, both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem, whom they killed by hanging on a tree. He proclaims a crucifixion to them. Jesus Christ was murdered on that tree, crucified. But, notice the next part, him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. That is the heart. That is the, the undeniable. You cannot dispute it. Truth of the gospel. The Son of God came into this world, was killed for the sins of the world, and the third day was resurrected from the dead. That is the gospel. That is the good news. And salvation comes to whosoever will. Without the cross, and I know that you hear evangelists, and I know you've talked about this, and I'm not trying to pump something up, but I want you to remember, without the cross, there is no gospel. Without Jesus dying for our sins, we are not forgiven. There is no life 
without the death of Christ. Okay? So, that is the heart of the message that is being preached. And he says, by hanging him on the tree, verse 40, it says, Him God raised up on the third day and showed him openly. This wasn't a private affair. He showed him openly. Verse 41, not to all the people, but to witnesses chosen before, even to us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. We were there. We saw it. Verse 42, and he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that it is he who was ordained by God to be judge of the living and the dead. Ultimately, we will sit before Christ. And verse 33, to him the prophets witness that through his name, whoever believes in him will receive remission or forgiveness of sin. So in a nutshell, he's looking at them. He has proclaimed the coming of God wrapped in the flesh, the Son of God. He comes, he dies for our sins, he dies in our place. The third day he is resurrected from the dead. This is not something that is debatable. They said we were there with him, we sat with him, we ate and drank with him afterward. And he has appeared to more than just us. There were select witnesses that we might go out and that we might share what God has done in us. And then he says in here that even the prophets gave witness to it. In other words, this is not some secret revelation, but this is the crux of Scripture as a whole. And people understand the Bible isn't written yet, okay, in in its entirety. Yes, we are in Acts, but understand that whenever we refer to Scripture, or Jesus quoted Scripture, he's referring to the Old Testament or the original covenant. And what he's talking about is what God promised there through the prophets, that ultimately one would come into this world, a prophet like Moses, okay, that would govern the nations. And the Bible even describes and says that he is God with us. And so, and through him and him alone would people be saved. All right, so he's proclaiming this. Now catch this, whenever he talks about the forgiveness of, the, of sins, verse 44, while Peter was still speaking, did you catch that? You remember how I said, that? and, and, and I, this isn't just me, I've heard this many times as I was growing up, and I believe this with all my heart, praise and worship is always in order. That's the reason why you preach them. Somebody says, praise God, or they shout or something like that. That's in order. People say, well, you're disrupting the service. Don't stand between God and the people who worship him. Don't ever do that. Okay, you might like a more solemn getting together. You might like something where people are shouting. I don't know where you fit in between, but don't ever stand between people in their worship and honoring of God because that's his. Okay, so I always tell you, worship and praise is always in order. You can love Jesus whenever you want to. That will never be out of order. Okay, sincere worship. Okay, so while Peter is still speaking these words, it says the Holy Spirit upon those who heard the word. So Jesus is still proclaiming Jesus. And right in the middle of it, pow, we have Pentecost all over again. The difference is, guess who the recipients are? They're not Jews, they're Gentiles. The same Holy Spirit given, the same tongues prophesying, the same glorifying of God takes place in the house of Cornelius. Now, why would you think God would do that? Why do you think that he pours out the same Holy Spirit? Because in Jesus Christ, there is not a division of people. 
It's not Jew or Gentile. It is a, what avails, new creation, a new people. We are people of Jesus Christ. He is the Lord. He is the fulfillment of Scripture. Whether you're Jew or whoever you is, you take whoever you is. <laughs> oh, and I was building. It felt good, you know. You're, you're building it up, and you're sitting there, oh, this feels good. I'm preaching. I'm having a good time. And you is. Okay. Whoever you is. Okay, whoever you are. I'm, I'm seeing a commercial right now about a V8 right now. Okay. So whoever you are, whoever you are, you are accepted in Christ, in God, a new creation. Okay. Whoever you is. So, okay. Where, where, I'm sorry. Where was I? 44. Okay. I was in 44. I, I think I was in 44, wasn't I? Yes. Okay. So while Peter was speaking these words, the Holy Spirit fell on, and maybe I was in tongues. I don't know. I'm just, I'm still hung up on that. Okay, but anyway, the Holy Spirit fell upon those who were in the crowd. Now listen to this. This is important. Catch the distinction. Catch the little things that are being said because this is an issue that has to be settled. Remember, when Peter left, he brought some Jews with him as well. These are witnesses. So, the Holy Spirit falls on verse 45, and it says, Those of the circumcision, that would be Jews, who believed these were people that had come to Christ, people that were with Peter. So these were people that were Jews who had believed. It says they were what? Astonished. That word's not lightly put there. In other words, they're looking as representatives of God, and all of a sudden, the same Holy Spirit is given, the same power shows up, the same acceptance of God, the Holy Spirit being poured upon. Remember Peter's sermon on the day of Pentecost? I guess he, we should go back and take a look at that, but you think about it. And in those days, I will pour out of my Holy Spirit upon all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men see visions. Your young men dream dreams upon your men servants and your main servants. I will pour out of my Holy Spirit. It was talking about all people, not just one people. Okay, and remember the, the, the signs and wonders that are taking place were there for a reason. And even, and, and as strange as this may seem, and I, and I know I'm going a little bit off to the side. This isn't a rabbit, but it's still, still a good area. It's green grass. But anyway, it's to understand this. Tongues are assigned, believe it or not, even to unbelievers because it talks about that people of other nations, of other tongues, they would be glorifying God. And so you have these people that do not know these languages, but yet they begin to glorify God. All nations, kindreds, and tongues come together for one thing, the glorifying of God and worship of him for his giving of his spirit and giving of Jesus Christ. So, and they're prophesying as well. So it says, the people of the circumcision, when they see this, they're astonished. And it says, as many as had come with Peter, they're astonished by this because, you can underline this if you want to, because the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles also. Now, this is a change. This is a change in the flow. We're seeing that fulfillment of the promise, once again to Abraham, in your seed, in Christ Jesus, all the earth will be blessed. He had been poured, let's say, poured out on the Gentiles also, for they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then Peter answers. 
Now notice as he's standing there, he's already had these visions. And he says this, can anyone? He looks at the Jews and he says to them, he says, do you see this? This is God's stamp. This is God's spirit. This is God saying, I have set these apart. This is my people. Okay, is. Once again, I keep worrying every time I say is. Okay. I'll get over it in a minute. It says, can anyone forbid water that these should not be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So can, can you stand in the way of these people? And they're like, no, we can't. This is a God thing. We may not understand it, but it's a God thing. And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord. Then they stayed with him a few more days. So they are baptized. These are believers. Where am I my time? Okay. We're getting ready to close up. So the Holy Spirit is poured out upon the Gentiles. Now let me tell you what's getting ready to take place. Uh, as a matter of fact, let me just read you a few verses and, and I'll stop here. But I, I want you to see just kind of setting the stage. We'll start in 11.1 next, next week. Uh, but catch this. Chapter 11, verse 1. It says, Now the apostles and brethren who were, um, who were in Judea, they heard. So this is getting noised abroad. In other words, this is something that people are really talking about, that God has loved these Gentiles and received them just as well as he has the Jews. They heard about the Gentiles, how they had also received the word of God. And when Peter came up to Jerusalem, listen to the words. Those are the circumcision. So he comes back to Jerusalem. He's been baptizing Gentiles. So it says, those of the circumcision contended with him. In other words, they came to him and said, whoa, 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 Peter, I, I don't know what you think you're doing, but what, what's this we hear about you baptizing Gentiles? And next week, what we will look at is exactly what Peter said. He says, people, let me tell you what Jesus did. Let me tell you what Jesus did. All right, tonight we will have just a brief altar call because I want to make sure that we never, uh, ha I don't want to forsake the altar, okay? So as they're coming, just a moment, if anyone needs special prayer, we'll open the altars. And if God's dealing with your heart, if you need special prayer, if you need to be anointed or anything like that, tonight we're happy to do that. All we ask is if God is dealing with your heart, you just respond as God is speaking to you. Amen? All right. Father, we pray that you would touch our hearts. We pray, Father, that we would surrender to you. And, Father, we love you and we need you. Please, Father, be glorified in us as, Father, we set out to glorify you in Jesus' name. Amen. If everyone would please stand. Have you been to the cross where the Lord Jesus suffered have you been to Calvary have you been to the place of redemption for sinners have you been to
there's time, don't delay. Place your faith in Christ Jesus. Turn your eyes now to Calvary. You can search, you can buy, and try everything man-made, but it cannot satisfy. It is Christ, only Christ, who gives life more abundant, and He calls from Calvary. It was there on Calvary. God's dear Son lay down His life for you. While there's time, don't delay. Place your faith in Christ Jesus. Turn your eyes now to Calvary. While the Spirit's clear voice can be heard softly pleading, give your life to Jesus now. Trusting faith is the way to have life everlasting, and He calls from Calvary. It was there on Calvary, God's dear Son lay down His life for you. While there's time, don't delay, place your faith in Christ Jesus. Turn your eyes now to Calvary. Amen. Amen. Ooh, you know it. You know you're loving Jesus. And I don't know if y'all saw that, but when Miss Sylvia came down and she got in front of me, she spoke. I jumped. And then, <laughs> people, it's you're sitting there and you're praising the Lord, and and you you know now in the Bible when God speaks to people while they get startled because you're like, Lord, I love you, and then all of a sudden you hear God speak. It's like shame. And you pop out of it. And, you're like, and I look up and it's Miss Sylvia. I said, whoo, I thought I was in trouble there for a minute. I really did. Anyway, I love you tonight. Thank you for being in God's house. Thank you for being faithful. Uh, saints, God is so good this week. Do not miss an opportunity to do good. Don't miss an opportunity to let your light shine. Let people, like moths to a flame people, if you'll light yourself up, they will come from all over the place. All right? All right, the Lord bless you and keep you. In Jesus' name, you are dismissed. Amen. Go with God.